Hello and welcome to episode two of my podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Fellhofer, and this is Break the Mold, where I talk about all things mental health, spirituality, current events, and my experience as a mental health grad student. Thanks so much for being here. I had this episode all planned out in my head for the past week, and um, it related to current events, but just the day before transcribing and recording something happened and I felt led by God to go in a different direction. So this week someone that I knew passed away and without giving too much information that could pinpoint who I'm referring to, this person was part of a church that I previously attended. I experienced church hurt during the time that I attended this specific church and it left me severely wounded both spiritually and emotionally. For those who don't know what church hurt is, it's when you experience hurt at a deep level by the people you thought were in your corner, your church family. I won't go into detail about this period in my life, but it affected me to the point that I dreaded going to church. I lost trust in my spiritual leadership and the people that I had trusted who I thought were my friends. It was during this period that bitterness began to grow in my heart and these roots began to take over, and my heart hardened toward these people in this church, even its ministry. After moving away, I found a new church that accepted and loved me unconditionally, the way I needed to be loved and accepted, especially by my pastor. It took a while, but I was able to find trust again with my new pastor and the saints of this church. It wasn't until months later, after joining this new church, that an evangelist had preached an amazing message about how our brothers and sisters in the church can bind with us to break any chains that were holding us down. I knew that I had the weight of unforgiveness holding me down. At altar call, an elderly sister in our church came up to me, wrapped her arms around me, and began praying. I felt the weight of that unforgiveness lessen and then disappear. I left that church feeling a thousand times lighter. Fast forward to this week, a friend of mine posted on social media that someone I knew was in the hospital and the outcome didn't look favorable. I immediately had flashbacks to that period of time when I attended the aforementioned church and I felt nothing. It didn't take me by surprise, but it scared me. I had chosen to forgive this person and the entire church for what I endured, so Why did I not feel compassion toward this person, knowing that he might not even leave the hospital alive? A couple of days later, my friend messaged me to let me know that he had passed away, and still, I felt nothing. I'm not going to lie. Not feeling anything at all over the death of someone bothered me more than their passing. In that moment, I questioned the condition of my heart. Was forgiveness truly achieved or had unforgiveness crept back in and I just didn't realize it? In a survey of 527 university students in Turkey taken in 2017, roughly half were male and half were female. Four different assessments were given to each person to scale items of self-forgiveness, empathy, depression, and interpersonal cognitive biases. The purpose of this study was to determine how one's cognitive distortions, rumination, and empathy played a role in their forgiveness of others and themselves. The things from this study showed that forgiveness of other people was negatively forecast by cognitive distortions that relate to interpersonal rejection, but 
perspective taking positively predicts forgiveness. If one focuses on the hurtful consequences or injury of an offense, he or she feeds their negative feeling of anger toward the offender. This can cause a cycle of unforgiveness, so a change in the context of the evaluated situation is needed to reinterpret or to reframe the hurtful experience to find forgiveness for the offender. In order for someone to give and maintain forgiveness for an offender, they must also have effective empathy for that person as well. Let me pause here and say that before doing any type of research for this podcast, I had asked God in prayer what I have to do to maintain forgiveness, and he spoke to my heart and said, you must choose forgiveness sometimes over and over again. When I read this article, I came across this sentence. In forgiveness-based individual and group counseling interventions, the healing process begins with a conscious cognitive decision to forgive. It goes on to say that in order to reach emotional forgiveness, one must reframe their perceptions and thoughts about the hurtful experience, the offender or themselves. Just from my limited knowledge of how the counseling process works, this could look like the practitioner bringing awareness to the fact that the offense that took place was not the client's fault and holding themselves responsible for someone else's actions and behaviors is not healthy. We are responsible for our own reactions and words, but not the reactions and words of another person. One's core beliefs or assumptions can alter the way they see other people and the world around them. For example, the way someone is brought up shapes everything about that person from their beliefs to their worldview. If a person is raised to not trust others and is warned against forming close, intimate relationships with other people, reaching any type of emotional forgiveness towards an offender would be challenged by their cognitive distortions about interpersonal relationships. So if someone is in counseling and seeks help with any type of unforgiveness that they might have, the practitioner can reevaluate and help reframe the client's beliefs toward unforgiveness. Something else that happened this week brought my attention to the topic of forgiveness. In current events, we see people associated with a certain demonic movement that shall remain nameless because it deserves no recognition. But these people are destroying their own cities, threatening innocent bystanders, harassing people, and trying to provoke others to engage with them so they can retaliate. I had been feeling some type of way toward these people because anyone with common sense can understand that when you make threats and destroy the property of others, you lose all credibility for your quote-unquote cause. But earlier this week, I came across a post on social media that said something to the effect of the things that are going on around us should not worry us as Christians. Politics, racism, the virus, all these things that are diverting our attention from our calling to preach the gospel and we are instead getting tied up and tied down with the cares of this world. These things are a distraction from the spiritual battle we are in. And it ended with a call to stay on course, remain diligent in reaching lost souls and being ready for our departure from this earth. After I finished reading this post, I felt the Holy Ghost immediately fall and conviction gripped my heart. I laid on the floor on my face weeping and asking God to forgive me for the anger that had caused me to sin and wish terrible things on these people that I was angry with. I shared this on 
social media, but the words God spoke into my heart were these. I created them. They are souls who will spend an eternity somewhere. You're angry at their behavior, but can't see past their actions. I see the heart and long to minister to them the same as my children. Don't condemn them. Pray for them. When I say I cried, it felt as if my heart was breaking into pieces and all I could say was, God, please forgive me. Something that my therapist has told me in the past is that you must be able and willing to separate a person from their behavior. When you do this, it doesn't excuse the behavior in any way, but it allows you to see this person as your equal, as a human being who is still in need of repentance and salvation. I know this can be hard for some people to do, especially if you were abused as a child and still deal with unresolved or complicated trauma because of it. In cases like this, it does help to utilize talk therapy and reframe your mindset about the trauma or offense that you went through. Many times people feel justified in holding on to unforgiveness because they believe it will give the offender the satisfaction of knowing the victim forgave them. For the offended, it could mean that their forgiveness would signify dismissal of the offense or a free pass to hurt them again, but none of this is true. Forgiveness is not for the offender, but for the one who has been hurt. I'm sure there are many who would disagree with me on this, but I do believe that forgiveness takes time in certain situations. It's easy to say that you would forgive someone who physically hurt you or verbally assaulted you, but to be on the receiving end of something so hurtful might change one's perspective on how to handle it. What I am saying is that despite any justification for holding on to unforgiveness, it will never outweigh what the written word of God has to say about it. The Greek word for forgiveness appears in the New Testament 146 times. If something is repeated that many times, I think it's pretty important. Mark 11:25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Ephesians 4 and 32 states, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When I read Matthew 18, 21 through 22, the words literally jumped off the page at me. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not just seven times, but seventy times seven. Seventy times seven is an expression for infinity or an unlimited number. We are called to forgive those who trespass against us an infinite number of times because this is how God forgives. If the goal is to be like him, then we have to operate in a way that reflects his character and approach. This confirms what God spoke to my heart about choosing to forgive over and over again. I truly believe that sometimes even when forgiveness has been achieved, we can allow ourselves to slip into this unforgiveness if we meditate on an offense after forgiving the trespass. Doing this brings up feelings of hurt and anger and allows unforgiveness to take root in our hearts all over again. Making a deliberate choice to forgive over and over again is what we as Christians are called to do. It sometimes doesn't come easily, 
but making the choice to embrace or not to embrace forgiveness can literally be a decision that keeps us from spending an eternity with the Lord. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I will post show notes on my site and reference the material I talked about today. Please subscribe and share my show if you got something out of this. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me via email, which I will also provide in the show notes. God bless.